You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. The latest from around the conference, including more player opt-outs, Georgia quarterback hitting the transfer portal, and Alabama trolling Auburn following their Iron Bowl victory. We're going to also talk all things SEC with Jacob Hester, the former LSU Tiger, will tell us what's going on with the Tigers after their fourth loss of the season. And lastly, we will hit on the SEC Players of the Week, as we do each and every week. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each and every day, five days a week. All right, let's jump right into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. What a catch! Around the conference. The SEC plans to announce its remaining schedule for the December 12th and December 19th games this Friday. So we'll know the schedule, but on Sunday, they will announce kickoff times and TV networks. If you had not heard this year, the SEC championship game on December 19th will be in prime time. That's a 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern kickoff in Atlanta on CBS. So you got to think any of those makeup games in the conference... The SEC likely won't want to go head-to-head with their conference title game. So we'll see this weekend what the SEC decides to do for the final two weeks of the season. News out of Georgia, as Seth Emerson tweeted out yesterday, that Georgia Athletic Director Greg McGarity is retiring. So I'm sure a search will be underway to find his replacement sooner rather than later. But the other big news out of Georgia on Monday, quarterback Dewan Mathis who started the season opener at Arkansas, has entered the transfer portal. Mathis is a redshirt freshman from Michigan. He was benched in that week one game in favor of Stetson Bennett. Of course, since then, JT Daniels has taken over as a starter and has been very impressive. Mathis had just fallen to fourth on the depth chart and did not travel with the team on Saturday night to South Carolina. Kirby Smart said Monday that Mathis has handled everything first class and he did not want to be a distraction for the team. The Bulldogs currently have a commitment from Brock Vandegrift, a top-five quarterback in this current recruiting class. So Mathis will have four years of eligibility remaining wherever he transfers to. In the last Georgia tidbit, Kirby said that senior safety Richard LeCount has been working out with the team, could return to action this Saturday against Vanderbilt following that motorcycle accident he was involved in several weeks ago. Over at Kentucky, their starting cornerback, Kelvin Joseph, announced yesterday he is opting out of the rest of the season. Joseph made the announcement on his Twitter. He will not play in the Cats finale versus South Carolina or their bowl game. He currently has a team-high four interceptions for the Cats to go along with 25 total tackles. He is only a redshirt sophomore, but he played very well for the Cats this year, so he is off to the pros to try his hand at the next level. Also at Kentucky, Coach Mark Stoop said he doesn't know if his team will accept a bowl bid. He said he wants to, but it's going to be up to his team if they decide they want to go to a bowl game. Kentucky has dealt with a lot this season from Chris Oates being hospitalized to the death of O-line coach John Schlarman to the COVID outbreaks to now players opting out. It just may not be worth the hassle to go play another four-win team in a bowl game, but we'll see what Kentucky decides to do. At Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt, speaking with the media yesterday, confirmed approximately 16 Vols 
will not be at practice this week for quarantine reasons, but they should be eligible to play Saturday against Florida, meaning the quarantine time ends before the game. There is some thought that freshman quarterback Harrison Bailey could be getting his first career start on Saturday as the Vols host Florida. Pruitt said he's been very pleased with Harrison Bailey's progress. Over at Florida, Gators head coach Dan Mullen speaking with the media said he his team got out of the Kentucky game pretty healthy. Said he's hoping wide receiver Trent Whittemore returns this week. Mullen was also asked to evaluate his defensive coordinator Todd Grantham's performance this year. And Mullen said, quote, I think he's done a great job. Look at what we've done in different games and adjustments we make in the course of the game. Of course, you remember just before halftime, the video cameras catching Mullen giving Grantham a, a mouthful on the sideline. There's no denying the Gators did make some good halftime adjustments on Saturday. They shut out Kentucky in the second half. One other tidbit from Florida, running back Iverson Clement has entered the transfer portal. He's a former four-star recruit. Has not seen much action, though, for Florida. Over at LSU, Coach Ed Ogeron asked about Alabama on Monday. He said, quote, this is the best offensive line we've seen come to Tiger Stadium in years. That's saying something, because LSU has seen a lot of good teams come into Baton Rouge in recent years, including some Alabama teams with some good offensive lines. So, bit of a tip of the cap to this Alabama group led by Alex Leatherwood and Landon Dickerson. Alabama currently a 28.5 point favorite this Saturday in Death Valley. Over at Auburn, they lost a big-time recruit following their beatdown in the Iron Bowl over the weekend. Hewitt Trustville High School star running back Armani Goodwin announced he is decommitting from the Tigers, having committed to them back in May 2019. He said Auburn remains in his top three choices, but it is unknown who his other two schools are. He's got offers from the likes of Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, among others. He's rated as the fifth best running back in the country, according to 247sports.com. And speaking of Alabama, at Alabama, wide receiver Devontae Smith was among the players who took Bo Nix's comments from last week as motivation. If you recall, Bo Nix referred to Matt Jones as a game manager when speaking with the media, and Devontae Smith admitted it was funny seeing those comments, and they used it as motivation in the game. So Alabama's social media... They took it one step further, taking one more shot at Knicks on Monday, tweeting out the caption, no coach, but we still managed, with a picture of Mac Jones and the words, manager mater material. The photo also had a faint image of Bo Nix faded away in the background behind Mac Jones. The ultimate shot back at Knicks and Auburn. So, look, wouldn't be the SEC if we didn't have shots being thrown at one another from across the aisle. Did see one other uh, decommitment. Five-star linebacker Terrence Lewis has now decommitted from Tennessee. He's their uh, former top commitment. He says Tennessee is still his top school, but he wants to explore his options. Like, you see that a lot from kids these days. Uh, they make a commitment early, and then they decide, eh, let me see what else is out there. And a lot of times they end up committing back to the school anyway, so we'll see what happens there. When we return, we're going to talk all things SEC with Jacob Hester and get his thoughts on the struggles at LSU. Holiday week over, back to the grind. Most of us back to a normal work week this week as we count down to the Christmas holidays that'll be here before we know it. But for now, we count down the days 
to Saturday, yet another day for college football, yet another day to enjoy some ice-cold Coors Light. We talk about it all the time. Some people like to go to the spa. Some people like to go play golf. Everybody's got their different things they do to wind down. Me, specifically, winding down and relaxing for me is sitting in front of my TV on the couch watching college football and enjoying an ice-cold Coors Light. We tell you all the time, find a sport and crack open a Coors Light. That's the way to do it. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. It's mountain cold refreshment, made to chill, cold lagered, cold filtered, cold packaged. You see the blue mountains on the side, you know you have ice-cold beer coming down your throat, and you know you made the right decision. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill that is Coors Light. You can get them in their new look cans delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Get them in the skinny cans. Get them in the bottles. However you like to drink them, just drink them and do so while you celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Tomorrow on the show, you do not want to miss a Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl. Going to join us. We'll talk on all the SEC guys that have committed to the Senior Bowl so far. I've accepted that invite. We'll break it all down with Jim Nagy tomorrow on Locked on SEC. We're all along here. I'm real excited to talk with this guy. When you talk all things SEC football, a guy who talks it on a daily basis. He's a former LSU Tiger, former NFL back, now sports radio host on ESPN Baton Rouge, and college football analyst, on Sirius XM, and he is Jacob Hester. He joins us now. Jake, what's going on, man? I'm doing well. How you doing? We're good, man. Uh, a really tough go for that LSU offense on Saturday in College Station. Uh, the first time we we saw LSU's defense actually step up and really play well this year, but the offense really struggled. I'm curious your thoughts as a former player when you see the offensive line struggling with, with all the blitzes like that. What can you do to help out your quarterback there? Yeah, it was definitely a struggle. When you look at the offensive line, anytime Texas A&M brought more than four, they just looked totally confused. And when you have a freshman quarterback that has not really been in the fire, he hasn't seen that, you know, he needs a little extra time. He needs a half a second longer to be able to dissect the defense and get the ball out of his hands. And so it was really a recipe for disaster for LSU. The offensive line just didn't help him out in the run game either. There was not a lot there. And the offensive line is really something that struggled for the most part of this year for LSU. And uh, especially it's going to come to light when you have a freshman quarterback, like I said, who's decision-making. And, uh, again, I, I understand why you're a true freshman playing quarterback in the SEC is a little bit longer than, say, a Miles Brennan would be. And so the defense gave you that effort, right? The defense has been bad and, and really had issues with explosive plays, and they play their best game to date. I mean, Kellen Mond was 11 of 34 in this game, the best third-down team in the country. You hold them to 2 of 16, but offensively, you just couldn't get anything going. You couldn't protect your protect your quarterback. You couldn't run the football. Terrace Marshall was really the one bright spot. Of course, we've got news on him coming out uh, today that he's opting out. So, you know, the offense is, is just completely out of sync. And, uh, look, I, I know I've been in huddles with true freshmen. Uh, it's tough to, to call plays when you have a true freshman quarterback back there. So, it was a game when they struggled really on all levels. Uh, you mentioned Terrace Marshall, and look, absolutely, it is his decision to go get paid in the NFL and good for him. Uh, does it feel a little bit like you're quitting, though, when some of these guys, like at South Carolina, and it's like as soon as your team faces adversity and starts losing games, it's like, all right, well, I'm out of here. I just wonder if we're setting a bad precedent for the, for the future years of college football, if it's going to be up, oh, first loss, I'm done. 
Well, I do think every situation is different. I think you've had guys opt out before the season. You've had them opt out in the middle of the season. Now you're hearing of opt-outs you know, at the end of the season. And I, I don't know what every situation is. I can tell you from my personal experience, there's no way I would ever miss a game with my teammates, but that was just the way that I was built. It wasn't in vogue when I was playing college football. Now we've seen guys opt out of bowl games. We've seen guys decide not to play in the season and to not get hurt for the NFL future. I'll be honest with you. Like I mentioned, I know every case is different. Terrace Marshall is the best young man that I've ever had the opportunity of interviewing. So I don't know his circumstance. I have not been able to talk with him one-on-one yet. And, uh, you know, he did play until the final three games of the season. I would have liked to see him finish the season, no question about it. But I have not had that conversation with him. I just hope it doesn't become something that's the norm. We all know this is a crazy, unique year in 2020. There's uh, a lot of players missing that normally would be out there. My hope is this doesn't carry to next year. You know, hopefully we're not going through a pandemic. Hopefully our world is back to normal and everyone decides to play college football. I'd hate to see sophomores who know they're going to be drafted sit out completely their junior year because I think you miss something when you sit out a full football season. When you don't have pads on for 20 months, you can do all the beach workouts, all the uphill runs that you want to do. There's something to having pads on and competing against the guy across from you. So I hope this doesn't become a trend. I hope it is just because of the year we've had in 2020. Yeah, and the interesting dynamic, I'm starting to see some mock drafts move Devontae Smith ahead of Jamar Chase. Before the start of the season, Jamar opts out. He's the consensus top five, number one receiver in this year's draft, and now starting to see Devontae Smith jump him, and you just wonder if that's a byproduct of Jamar being out of sight, out of mind, and Devontae Smith, we're seeing him week in and week out, put on a show at Alabama. So it'll be an interesting dynamic once we get to the uh, next year's draft. Uh, a brutal challenge this weekend for LSU hosting number one Alabama. Speaking of uh, a team whose offense top five in the nation, a defense that's been getting better and better every week for Bama. Does LSU, in your mind, tell Stingley, "Hey, wherever Devonte Smith goes, that's where you go"? It's funny you mention that. That's something I talked about in length today. And normally, I'm not a fan of that because when you do it, you've got to change up other things on your defense. You got to change up kind of who you are. Throw some different calls in there, and LSU has actually struggled mightily with that communication on the back end, but I think you have to. Devontae Smith is such a dynamic playmaker. I watch Alabama games every single week, and I say, how do you let that guy, that guy get behind your defense and become so impactful, right? So I think you have the best cover corner in college football. I think he has to be married to wherever number six goes on the football field because he's that kind of talent. I realize that Alabama, Michi being one of them, has other weapons. But Devontae Smith's the best receiver in the country playing right now. So I would fully expect that Stingley's going to travel with him. Then it's on the other guys to take care of their business. And you have to become creative in this game plan against Alabama because I think the biggest difference for them this year opposed to last year is Najee Harris. I was pretty critical of Najee Harris. I thought he was a good back. I thought there was greatness in there, but we had not seen it. He had not been able to kind of get loose for some of those home runs we knew he had the capability of. Well, he's done that plus some this year. I think he is the most complete back in the country right now. He's able to to take runs and go 60 yards now. He's able to catch the ball out of the backfield. He has been a true weapon. It looks like he's got another gear sideline to sideline this year than he did last year. So I think he's really one of the biggest reasons for Alabama's offense and where they sit. 
Yeah, just tell Stingley, don't get caught looking at the sidelines this year for a play. Uh, it, it's starting to feel like it's a two-horse race for the Heisman, uh, Jake, with, with Kyle Trask, Mac Jones. I still think Trask is in the driver's seat with with his touchdown totals, but Mac Jones certainly made up some ground this week with what he did in the Iron Bowl. If you had a Heisman vote today, who would it be for you? My vote goes to Kyle Trask, and that's nothing against Mac Jones. You said it, Mac Jones has been so impressive this year. But when you look at Kyle Tracks, 34 touchdowns, only three interceptions. He looks so poised in the pocket. And even when Kyle Pitts was out, who Kyle Pitts, we all know, is the best tight end in the country. I mean, he made Gamble look like a star, the backup tight end. So, And really no run game to speak of. I mean, Florida's not dynamic running the football, so he's kind of doing it all with teams knowing what they want to try to get done. I thought a lot of him last year. When Trask came in against LSU, the number one team in the country, on a bum knee at Death Valley, and he led his team to a ball game for really most of the game outside of maybe two or three series at the end, I said, man, this young man's going to be impressive. He just he didn't have the, the time on the field. He sat behind De'Aaron King in high school. He sat behind saw something, and he has taken that something this year to what I think is a Heisman Trophy season. I mean, they can score on any given play. It's so many different players that he gets involved in that Florida offense. So Mac Jones deserves a ton of credit for what he's been able to do because everyone thought he would get beat out before the season even started by Bryce Young. But for me, Kyle Trask is just a step ahead right now in that Heisman race. A couple more here. We're talking with Jacob Hester. Uh, Derek Mason was the second SEC coach to be fired this season. Any thought on what direction Vandy should go for their next head coach? I'm thinking maybe an offensive-minded coach with having to keep up with Eli Drinkwitz and Dan Mullen. I mean, it feels like if you're going to win the SEC now, you got to have a good offensive mind. Yeah, we heard their athletic director come out earlier and say we want an offensive-minded head coach, and we want someone who has head coaching experience. And so, uh, you know, she's kind of said exactly what the criteria is going to be now i'm sure she's not completely married to it because if there's a candidate that comes across your desk that you can't turn down you've got to go and make that move but i think it's the right move to hire an offensive-minded head coach just because of what you said man you've got to keep up with these offenses in the sec that's why when you look at florida i think they're the best uh, you know team with, with the best chance to beat alabama if anybody can because of who they are on offense because no longer does a great defense win you football games. And when you're at Vanderbilt, let's call it like it is, you're handcuffed a little bit. When you look across the SEC at all the new shiny toys, they, well, theirs is the most dull, right? They, they've got a stadium that hasn't been touched since the 1970s. They don't keep up with the Joneses and facilities. If you look across, their baseball program gets some of that. Their golf programs get some of that. Their soccer program gets some of that. Football is really the last resort sport at Vanderbilt, fair or unfair. And so you're kind of behind the times there, and that part of it is a gigantic challenge. Of course, Nashville is a great destination. It's the number one destination probably in the SEC, but you've got to convince someone with that criteria you laid out that you're going to change and you're going to do things differently than you've done them in the past because you've got to help out these coaches. You've got to give them something that they can recruit to. You've got to start putting some resources into your football program because, listen, Billy Napier was a guy that, that was up for the Mississippi State job last year. Well, he turned it down, right? So if you've got people turning down Mississippi State, that's a recruiting hotbed. What makes you think you can get somebody to come to Vanderbilt? Who can you convince to come to Vanderbilt, right? So you've got to make that job more attractive than it currently is. And so I do think offensive-minded. I don't necessarily think it has to be someone who's been a head coach before, 
Although I understand why you say that, because you don't want a James Franklin situation where it's just a stepping stone for him. I think at this point, you just got to get another stepping stone for your program because it's taking a giant step back since James Franklin took the Penn State job. Yeah, and if Penn State wants to fire him, if he goes winless, maybe uh, James Franklin's available. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> last thing for you, Jake, uh, real talk. Why does it feel like every time LSU goes to College Station now, they're on the short end of the stick with the officiating? Because when you and I were at LSU, it was always at Auburn where the officiating was always yeah. questionable. I was at the, the LSU-Auburn game in 2006, that 7-3 to loss, penalties all egregious. Now it seems that way when they go to College Station. What's the deal? <laughs> it is funny how that, that kind of works itself out, and you find a couple situations where you can say, man, every time we go there, there's something that goes on. I mean, we could sit here and have a full segment on the 74-72 game. Obviously, in this contest, and this, I'm not trying to create a conspiracy theory, but, you know, Butte looked like he had a touchdown there. They called it a touchdown on the field, and I didn't think there was evidence to overturn that touchdown. You're talking about a 10-7 to ball game and so that was a big sequence in that football game because you turn the ball over on the next pass attempt and so I don't know if it really has anything to do with where the game's played but it is funny how things kind of work themselves out like that and I agree with you 04 look at Auburn as well we got called for uh you know I think it was leverage Leverage, or jumping or something (laughs) on an extra point attempt that would have sent the game to overtime and I never heard that call before or after that time on the planes. <laughs> it is it is incredible. We'll see what happens next time LSU goes there. He is Jacob Hester. Jake, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Always a pleasure to catch up. Awesome. Jacob Hester there, former LSU Tiger, former NFL back, and uh, now sports radio host on uh, ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge and a college football analyst on uh, Sirius XM doing the morning show, talking all things SEC with – the bevy of guests that host that show with Chris Doring and Peter Burns and Colt Kublick and all the different guys. And Jacob basically never stops. He's up at like 5 a.m. doing sports talk and doing his afternoon show and, and night stuff. And it's just, I don't know how he ever finds time, but uh, we appreciate him finding some time for us here on Locked On SEC. More to come after this. If you're like me and you have that little bit of that afternoon crash in your workday, you're sitting at your desk and you just go, oh my God, I got to get through the next three to four hours. How am I going to do it? Might I recommend Built Go? Built Go makes you best at what you do, whatever you do. You can break through that proverbial wall. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's all natural, so it's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster energy drink, but with a third of the caffeine and much better results. It comes in three delicious flavors. You got the peanut butter honey. You got the chocolate mint. You got the chocolate coconut. Whatever you want to try, you can check them out, BuiltGo.com. When you go there, find the one that you like and make sure you use the promo code LOCKED. That's L-O-C-K-E-D, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. It is loaded with all that good stuff to ignite your workday. The B6s, the big B12s, all that cool science stuff that I don't really understand. I know it's got collagen, it's got protein, fast absorbing, and it works in your system fast, and it goes easy on your stomach. It's BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Run along here, Locked On SEC. Want to remind you guys, every Tuesday at Locked On NFL, Luke Braun and Ross Jackson break down the Monday Night Football action and top fantasy storylines 
from around the league with the Tuesday Fantasy Forum. Luke and Ross are joined every Tuesday by a locked-on fantasy expert to help you save your lineup with waiver wire pickups, must-starts, and more. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts. It's about that time winding down of the fantasy football seasons. Either you're completely out of it, like I'm in one of my leagues, or still in the hunt, like I'm in the other one. So, look, you got to play in multiple fantasy leagues at this point. You can't be one and done, right? All right, uh, before we get out of here, I want to run through the SEC Players of the Week as we do just about this time every week. Let's do it. Let's go around the SEC Players of the Week. Start on offense. Two guys named Offensive Players of the Week in the SEC. Two quarterbacks, and both deserved each. Mac Jones, quarterback at Alabama. The junior QB continued his stellar play as the Alabama offense scored 42 points in the Iron Bowl against the SEC's number three scoring defense. Finished with 300 passing yards, a career best, five touchdowns, and the 42-13 romping over number 22 Auburn. It was Mac Jones' sixth game with at least 290 passing yards, while his five passing touchdowns tied an Iron Bowl record. He posted a passer rating of over 230 on his 26 passing attempts, averaged 16 yards per completion, connected on touchdown passes of 7, 24, 24, 58, and 66. Yeah, having Devontae Smith is a nice weapon. Mac Jones leads all Power 5 quarterbacks with a 208 passer efficiency rating and his 341 passing yards per game ranks fourth in the country. Your other offensive SEC player of the week was Matt Corral, quarterback at Ole Miss. Corral set a school record for Ole Miss passing yards in the Egg Bowl, completing 24 of 36 yards for 385 yards, two touchdowns, and leading the Rebels past the Bulldogs. He engineered a nine-play, 77-yard touchdown drive with 4.48 to go to help clinch the victory for the Rebels. It was his sixth 300-yard game of the season, third-best single-season effort in school history, and he moved into sole possession of fifth place on Ole Miss's single-season list with 24 passing touchdowns, while also climbing to sixth on the career charts with 32 scoring passes. Matt Corral is just going to – he's going to be at the top of all the Ole Miss record books before it's all said and done. Your defensive SEC Player of the Week goes to Buddy Johnson, linebacker at Texas A&M. The middle linebacker recorded nine tackles on the night against LSU and broke up a pass and intercepted one for 15 yards and a score in the third quarter of the Aggies' victory. The Aggie defense held LSU to 36 net rushing yards and 267 yards of total offense with 81 of those coming on the Tigers' final drive. They were a force, and Buddy Johnson was a big reason behind it. Your special teams players of the week, you got two of them. We start with Kadarius Toney, punt returner, returned a punt 50 yards for a touchdown for uh, Florida against Kentucky, which proved to be the, the uh, decisive score in the game as Florida defeated Kentucky 34-10 to on Saturday. With the Gators trailing 10-7 late in the first half, Toney returned the touchdown, flipped the game's momentum, gave Florida the 14-10 edge at halftime. Toney's the third Gator since at least 1996, to score a passing, rushing, receiving, and punt return touchdown in a career, joining Jacquez Green and Antonio Callaway. Good company there. Tony's 50-yard punt return was the Gators' first punt return touchdown since Freddie Swain had an 85-yarder for a touchdown against Colorado State back in 2018. Your co-special teams player of the week, how about this? Sarah Fuller at Vanderbilt. She made history on Saturday 
becoming the first woman ever to officially take the field during a football game in a major conference football game, served as the Commodore's primary kicker during their game against Mizzou. She took the opening kickoff of the second half against the Tigers as her perfectly perfectly executed kick sailed 30 yards, was downed at the Missouri 35-yard line, and she joined New Mexico's Katie Nita and Kent State's April Goss as the only females to appear in a football bowl subdivision contest. So congrats to Sarah Fuller. Your SEC Freshman of the Week, Connor Bazelak. I feel like Mizzou just... And look, Sarah deserved the attention and, and the headlines for everything she did, but we kind of glanced over the fact that Missouri dominated Fandy in that game and was really, really good. Larry Roundtree in the run game was sensational, and Connor Bazelak equally impressive at quarterback for Mizzou. He improved to 5-1 and one as a starting quarterback in his young career. Highly productive and efficient despite not throwing a touchdown on Saturday. He went 30 of 37. That's 81% completion percentage for 318 yards. It stood as his second game this season with a completion percentage greater than 81% and 300-plus passing yards in a game. Since 2000, Bazelak and Chase Daniel, a 2007 Heisman finalist, are the only Mizzou Tiger quarterbacks with multiple contests of 81% or higher completion percentage. He was the first Mizzou quarterback to complete 30 passes in a game since Kelly Bryant did so last year's opener at Wyoming. And in his six career starts, the Mizzou freshman quarterback is now 134 for 183. That's 73% for over 1,400 yards passing and five touchdowns against only one INT, but most importantly winning five of those six games. Connor Bazelak's been very impressive. Your offensive lineman of the week, Ben Cleveland, guard at Georgia. He had 48 snaps, graded out at a 90% during the Bulldogs' 45-16 win over South Carolina. And your defensive lineman of the week, DeMarvin Leal at Texas A&M, played both defensive tackle and defensive end against LSU, recorded seven tackles on the night, one tackle for a loss, and was credited with two quarterback hurries in two completions. He has been really, really good. And certainly going to start turning some heads as far as uh, NFL draft stock, you have to think. And that is your SEC Players of the Week across the conference. I feel like this, how many times has Mac Jones been on this list this year? Like him and Kyle Trask just keep taking turns. And Matt Corral, I mean, they fling it around the field so much, he's always on this list too. But uh, shout out to your SEC Players of the Week. Tomorrow on the show, you do not want to miss it, we will talk. All things Senior Bowl with Jim Nagy. Going to get his thoughts on some of the SEC players playing in the game. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow here on Locked on SEC.